Welcome once again to the Winest Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. The podcast that's firmly asserting that ICTFC is now the biggest club in Scotland as we have more fans on our ground than there are 41 clubs combined. In this pod, autumn action analysis, Charlie Christie chat, meet Roddy McGregor, hear from the Happy 300, views from Dismal Dundee, Nightmare 11 and look forward to December's Christmas crackers. All that and 26 years worth of ICT references. You know the drill. Let's crack on. What did Tarzan see when he found his screwdriver? There's it. Welcome, one and all. Fans are back at Caledonian Stadium. Actual living, breathing, sweetie rustling people. Though the question is, are you even allowed to rustle a sweetie? I'm Andrew Moffat, and joining me today is Werther's original, Stevie Riley. Hey, Dan. Fruit and nut, Andrew Young. Evening. And Sherbert Dibdab, Ross McKenzie. All right. Right, so normally we kick off with a Highland highlight. Uh, we're going to change that up a little bit for this one. We're going to kick off with something more topical, disease and vaccine. So, you know, for example, just an example, if John Nelms of Dundee was the disease, then morals would be the vaccine. So, Ross, what, uh, what have you got for us? What's your disease and vaccine? Well, last week for the Rafe game, the disease was error generic and the vaccine was Mr. Gianluca Rossi. Imagine the state of that man's inbox on a Saturday night. If you have any problems with your stream, please contact Gianluca Rossi. So this is the guy from the SPFL that everybody has to contact if they have an issue, is it? Everybody. The whole of the SPFL that's having problems with their stream. The whole of Scotland. And is he a one-man operation, do you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, Moff, he is. Didn't you, don't you remember him from Football Italia? <laughs> <laughs> Go lads, Joe. Uh, well, my my disease. Uh, so I'm going to say, well, my vaccine. Okay, so if the vaccine is Scott Allardyce, then the disease was either Charlie Trafford's touch, touch, or Sean Welsh's brittle bones. He's he's proved to be a sturdy, uh, calming influence in the middle of the park this season. He, he is the vaccine we've been we've been waiting for. Uh, Ay, what have you got? The disease is the, uh, the prurient misery touring rag that is the Daily Record and its revolting website. And uh, the vaccine for that is any news provider that cares about the veracity and morality of what it's saying and how it says it. And any sports content provider, including this podcast, that is generated by people who actually know and care about people and want to talk and write about it in a way that's worthy of it. Uh, well, I don't know about disease, but Kai Kennedy is certainly a vaccine. Um, speaking to Robbo last week, he referred to. Kai is a Tanner Ball kind of player, um, which I like. He's exciting. Just um, clarify for uh, anybody under the age of 25 what that actually means. For anyone who's not well, a, tan- a Tanner Ball was basically what people called a football back in the day. So it was the old leather bladders that was called a Tanner. So of course, you, you, used to, tan- you used to go to games yourself, really, when everybody wore flat caps. And so. I did, yeah. So I'm, I'm 55 in the brace and stuff, so I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm an older generation fan. But, yeah, no, it, it, Kennedy dribbles for fun. I think uh, there's no doubt that since he's came into the team, I think our still a play has been a lot more exciting, a lot more fluid up top. Um, yeah, very exciting player. The cross for Shane's goal against Race was beautiful. And hopefully if he signs that contract at Rangers, it holds us in good stead to... Keep them for another four or five months at the end of the season. Okay, right. Coming up, we take a look at November's notable moments. But before we do that, let's bring you a new feature and kick off 
with somebody who actually knows about football. Let's get the ex-player's perspective and the pro's eye view on November's games with none other than Charlie Christie. Hey Charlie, thanks for joining us once again on the shuffle. Um, the leaves have settled on the autumnal action as the Highlands turns a rusty shade of bronze, but the teams looked anything but rusty. They're just getting started now, aren't they? I think we've been a bit up and down, Andrew, yeah, without a doubt. I think um, the injuries have played a significant part, which is, it's not just at our club, and I think it's a lot to do with the, the COVID layoff. I think it's been well documented. The volume of games and the condensed pre-season training has led to more injuries at a lot of clubs, and, and we've paid the penalty for that as well. So it's restricted the management team selection, obviously, and I think that's shown in games. We've been a bit, we've played well in periods of games for 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, but lacked a wee bit of consistency. But, uh, you know, we looked two or three important boys back on Saturday, and I think that showed. So, you know, out of these important boys that have come back and the new clutch of players have, uh, have joined and from the youngsters stepping up, who's, who's, uh, who's impressed you so far this season? Who's really stood out for you? I like the boy Allardyce. I think he's done well. A defensive midfielder, he's got good stature. Scott, he's done well. He's, he's been a good find. He's come in and he's, he does the sort of unglamorous job of the game, to be honest. Although he scored a great goal the other week there, that was at the game. But uh, yeah, Scott's done well. And I think, I think what's pleased me, to be honest, is really pleasing for me in my position, is that we had one game in the cap where we had seven academy boys in the team sheet, which I think I'm right, Andrew, in saying is the most ever in the club's history in 25 years. And, you know, as academy director and somebody that's heavily involved with the youth for many a year, that was really pleasing. And even on Saturday, it was good to see that Cami and Roddy both started, played the full game and both attributed a lot to a good good win. So for me, that's been the most pleasing thing, the number of young boys. And, and that's the upside to injuries. You know, when clubs get injuries, it's very frustrating for everyone concerned. But the, quite often the upside is, you find a wee diamond from nowhere. And that's what uh, I think the young boys that have come in have equipped themselves really well. Is it actually easier being a young boy coming in to replace, you know, an established player like a Walsh or McCarter or a Rooney, as there isn't that pressure that an established player might have when he makes his debut? Yeah, I can see there's a freshness to it. I, I get where you're coming from. I think you made a good point. I think you come in and that's the good thing about having young players in a team. They, they bring a freshness to the changing room and to the whole environment. And to have, as I say, to have so many is, is really pleasing. And I think they sometimes play with a bit of naivety, which is good. You know, they don't have the maybe the pitfalls that a 30-year-old would have and the downsides that they've encountered in the game. Yeah, you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe a different way of playing there and, you know, a bit of naivety and a bit of freshness. Uh, a mate of mine was one of the lucky 300 to beat the game just this past weekend. And he said that it's, you know, it's, maybe it was just the fact he was actually at a game, but you know it was the it was the freshest he's seen the team play in a long time. It was it was exciting. You know he's watching us going he's going to home games and he's watching us play with one up top, and he was essentially looking at us playing with four up top at times. And he said it was just an absolute joy to watch. Would you would you concur with those sort of thoughts? Yeah, it was well. You you'll certainly not hear me question. I, I, I'm not a big fan of of in the championship, especially playing one up top. I'm not a fan of it at all. I mean, I think um, I always like to to play one, one up top and one very close to one off and maybe um, but no on Saturday we got boys forward and the first goal was we got chained as well and Keats takes it really well but we have bodies in the box that occupy the other great defenders which is important and I would agree with your pal that sometimes last year we didn't have that boys up front were maybe a bit isolated um, 
But no, we got good bodies forward. Rory McGregor played a bit deeper in Saturday. I was speaking to Scott Kelleher yesterday, and Rory didn't play in the number 10 position. He played more as a number eight and did very, very well because he's he's got tremendous fitness levels, Roddy, and he'll get forward and back for you in that role. Is he is he essentially like your number 10 heir apparent? Do you see any similarities between you know yourself as a young guy and Roddy? I mean, he doesn't score a lot of goals, so... Chatsy, that's a comparison, Andrew, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> hey, no, but it's funny, it was me that sort of spoke to Roddy as a youth player. We were away, I think it was a tournament in Lisbon, actually, a very good tournament, top-notch one, that I spoke to Roddy about playing a wee bit further forward. But we didn't play, in fact, again, we discussed this, myself and Kel, yesterday, we didn't really play with number 10s. You know, I'll go back to Ryan playing our youth system. Ryan played in centre midfield with his team, with Liam Powerth. And what I really had was one boy playing, promoting themselves a bit further forward, and that day it would be Ryan, Liam playing 10 metres deeper. And that's the way Roddy played in the youth team. He played in the midfield, really in a midfield four, uh, but he was the one that would get forward from the centre of the park. But, so didn't really play number 10. So I did say to Kale that he's had a good upbringing playing as a number eight, because you could argue in most of his youth career, that's where he played. Really, the tournament in Lisbon, a couple of the games I said, Roddy, you maybe will play, we'll change our formation because we're playing different continental formations and we spoke to Roddy about playing more a link man with a centre forward and he could do that because he sees the game very well Andrew he's got a good football knowledge um, so but no I, I can easily see him playing as an 8 or a 10 and um, I just think he needs to keep developing as you say he does need to add goals he certainly needs to it was great to see him get his first goal the other week there but he needs to he was in that game Saturday with a, a left foot shot the defender had a great block on him he has a great first touch and um, gets a good shot away but you know, and that'll come too, I think, with confidence and he'll maybe not snatch at things. But um, he's, he's certainly one that's got uh, more developing to do. And is there anyone you think um, that hasn't made an impact in these, these first nine competitive games that, you know, for injury or another reason that you'd expect uh, to step up over the winter months? Maybe some of the more experienced players that haven't featured that much? You know, Shane, I think, has got a big contribution to make this year. I'm a big fan of, you know, I was the one that brought him to the club as a 16-year-old. I'm a big fan of his. I think he can be a real valuable player for us going forward. Aaron, Aaron is, I feel really sorry for Aaron, one of my favourite players at the club when he's on his game. He's been beset with numerous injuries. He's a, you know, you would think as the season progresses, he'll, he'll um, have an part, important part to play. Uh, James Keating can be valuable too. So, as I say, once we get the full squad back and there's competition for places, um, I think you'll see, because we need to have a run in form, because, you know, I, I'm not one of these that, I'm not one of these advocates that, that hearts this, hearts that, hearts are going to walk the league. I don't see it that way. I watched their game on Friday night from the first minute to the last. And I don't think hearts are that far ahead of the rest of us. You talk about these you know, players coming back. Um, we've just had fans back in the ground for the first time. Were, were you there in the nice warm boardroom? Did you, did you enjoy the spectacle? I was at the youth game in the morning. Which we played Aberdeen in the morning. Well, lunchtime. So I was at the youth game and I just, just about frozen in my bone to go there come down here at five to three got in just perfect time for the kickoff but honestly guys it, it was cold i felt for the fans and it would be delighted to get back it was really a real lift and so refreshing to see fans in the ground again you know it really was and um, i'm sure all 300 enjoyed it it was great we got the win played some good stuff and um, but the second half guys it was after about an hour it was i'm glad we were actually winning and playing half decent because if we'd been behind, you know, it was so cold. It was a good game. I, I, I credit both teams. The pitches, I'm sure you guys have heard it, the pitches looking absolutely magnificent. 
Dale's worked hard, the layoffs done at the World of Good, I'd probably argue as good as we've seen it in the history of the club. So it lent itself to a good game, but uh, it, we shouldn't underestimate how cold it got. What do you think the expectations versus the reality is for the remainder of the season? Do you, you know, talking to you today about Hearts, it would suggest that you think we're, we are capable of challenging them, we are capable of at least getting playoff spots, but is, is it more that the focus is actually on bringing through these young boys that have come through your system into the first team and bringing through the young boys that have joined from other teams as well? Is it, are we sort of playing on two fronts there? It's an interesting one, Andrew. It's a bit of a conundrum. I mean, I've been asked before about the bringing through the young players and focusing on that for perhaps 12, 18, 24 months. That's a big ask. There's a lot bigger clubs than us love that idea but are not able to do it. So it's a big, big ask and it can it can go wrong. It's getting the balance, to be honest, is integrating, the, integrating these guys at the right time. Um, my, personally, I think we should certainly be aiming for the playoffs. I mean, if Cali Thistle... If we can't aim, it's a sad day when we can't aim for the top four in the championship. It, you know, it wasn't that long ago, guys, that I was talking to you guys who were aiming for the top four in the premiership. You know, so um, certainly that's within our reach, within our grasp. I see nothing to be feared of. I mean, a Saul Wraith, who were, were second or third top on Saturday, could have gone top if they'd beaten us. Nothing to fear there. You know, so, you know, we, we need to play well. We need to get the full squad back. I think... The young boys have shown they can play an integral part in that push for a playoff place. You know, there's there's no doubt in my mind that, that McGregor, Harper, uh, Mackay can play regularly for the team. Um, no doubt that Ryan Fife and Harry Nicholson um, can contribute as well when called upon, as Ryan did the other week there by setting up the equaliser. You know, these guys are 19. They're not they're not young, young kids anymore. Um, and they've got good ability. I've worked with them a lot. So, so yeah, it's getting the balance. But that shouldn't stop us... You know the club's been built and reaching for the stars over the years. Well, we'll finish off. We couldn't have you. We couldn't have you on without talking about Serbia. When did you first get to speak to Ryan after the game, and was it pre or post the the now famous Sky Sports interview? Yeah, it was. Oh, it was after the interview. Obviously, I never spoke to him. I don't. I actually touched base with him the night before the game, um, just to wish him all the best. I, I try and the usual what I try and say is it's funny, Andrew. I always one thing I say is get shots off on target because I'm you know talking about young Roddy. You don't shoot, you don't score. And I know Ryan's a good striker of the ball from the edge of the box. So it's the only thing I ever say. I say, if, if you're playing, because I didn't know the team, I never ask him the team. I say, if you're playing, I say, make sure you get as many shots off and targets as you can and work hard. That's basically two things I say every Friday to him. Um, said that the night before the game. Then he phoned me actually after the game, saw the interview, which was hugely emotional for us as a family and I think for the nation. And then he was actually in the drag testing room, Andrew, which is brilliant. He's gone to the change room. And of course, UEFA grab you straight away. Him and John McGinn got grabbed straight away, so you can't move. And he managed to grab his phone. So he phoned me from there. I got a bit of banter with John McGinn as well, which was great. And they were both a wee bit gutted at missing out on the immediate celebrations, as you know, it's human nature. Um, but he said they got it done quite quickly. Sometimes these things can drag on. But uh, And then he phoned me back about two hours later from the hotel, and the celebrations were in full swing then. It was quite a brief call, and it was just so great to see. It was just... Honestly, so one of the apart from playing myself, it's one of the greatest nights I've seen. You know, I've been lucky enough to watch Ryan pick up a Scottish Cup winners medal with his hometown club in 2015 to score a winning goal and for Celtic against Aberdeen in 2018 League Cup final, the winning goal, and that probably just trumped it, scoring a goal for your national team to to get us to our first finals in 22 years and play a big part. And it was just it was just tremendous and great for the nation. 
especially I think guys would all agree this year when we've all had a, a hell of a sort of seven or eight months and we needed a lift and for it to come you guys are football fans the same as me for it to come through the national football team is, is fabulous you know I think it's a great credit to Maurice Cali Thistle it's a great credit to the academy system here it shows for me to our 108 kids currently in the system that it can be done you can't play for your country coming through the Maurice Cali Thistle system you can't step on to bigger clubs hopefully make the club good money in the process and go on and do great things in the game right, well we'll just finish off with uh, did you get any specific congratulatory texts from any persons of note after the Serbia game anyone we would we would know of it, it was uh, well you'll know a lot of them it was good you know it was good Andrew it was the ex-players I must admit because see guys you share a change where you share a bond with the Russell Duncans of this world the, you know the Roy McBain's the, all these guys Mike Teasdale Brian Thompson it was all you know dozens I think I'd do 70 and 80 texts within two hours of the game finishing um, as I just opened a second bottle of champagne <laughs> uh, but uh, it was it was great it's absolutely great we don't see enough of each other these guys that I played with at the club here and uh, it was fantastic and the the Celtic the Celtic 2000 champagne you talked about that when you've been on with us before <laughs> uh, did, you didn't drink it did you? It was, no? no I'm getting pillars my wife's going to be pillars uh, for bringing that story up all the time you boys are probably <laughs> fed up Andrew no my daughter had it actually she always does it as a bit of a threat but uh, no, we managed to hold off on that one. So, um, but it's put to the back of the cover. I'm not allowed to mention it again. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to predict that e- even if Ryan scores at the Euros, right, still not getting drunk, you're saving that for the World Cup. I'm going to open that in the centre. If he scores in the Euros, I'll take that down to Cali Stadium, oh, yeah. put a Cali Thistle strip on, and open it in the centre circle. Charlie Christie there, talking about Ryan Christie, who's been the cause of more Scottish tears than Nicola Sturgeon. That was brilliant, wasn't it? There's, there's so much to pick through that. AY, you're a huge fan of Charlie. You kick us off. I just really like the way he kind of um, enjoyed the way we're playing football, you know, because he always tried to play football that way himself, you know. And you can tell that he's really sort of enthused by the team at the moment. Um, there was no sort of uh, need to be diplomatic or anything. There's a real excitement in the way he talked about the young players coming through, but also the new players that Rob was brought in. And I thought, I thought that was excellent. You know, he's obviously very proud of what he does at the academy. Well, as there has been all season, Charlie, you know, focused quite rightly, given his head of academy, on youth. Um, is Ryan Christie's success with Celtic and with Scotland, not with Celtic at the moment, uh, going to drive an interest in the club in terms of young boys and get more young boys to sign on with us? Maybe they'd rather sign for another team, Ross? Maybe, especially if, if you know, we've brought, also brought through Liam Polworth. If Roddy goes the same way and proves to be a top player out of our youth system, Cammy Harper. And then add to that the fact that we're now bringing in young players like Sadiz, Duffy, uh, Kennedy on loan, and they're getting game time. And if they go on to bigger things, then if all that happens in the space of a few years, then suddenly people think, Oh, there's a good, a good place to develop young players. I was quite interested. Uh, Charlie didn't really take you on in it, the comparison with Roddy. But I actually think Roddy McGregor looks a lot more like Charlie Christie on the ball than Ryan Christie does. There's, there was a moment, uh, I think, I can't remember exactly which game it was. He was kind of at the side of the box, kind of weaving back and forth kind of aimlessly. But he, you know, the ball was sticking to his foot. And in the end, he, in the end he, lays, he lays it off to someone for a shot. It was very Charlie, the way he was moving yeah. with the ball. Yeah, he does have a similar, oh, sort, of, similar sort of gait to, to the way he plays. Uh, okay, well, we're going to talk about some of Charlie's comments as we go through the, the last month's games, but uh, conscious as maybe a lot of people listen to the pod that are, that are younger, maybe they might not have seen Charlie play in his pomp. Charlie Christie always makes time for us. Um, 
he, one of the greatest players to ever pull on the shirt. I think everybody on this podcast can agree. Most Cali Thistle fans can agree. I think it was 45 goals and 276 games, and, and that was just for, for Cali Thistle, not to mention his numerous Highland League appearances. Uh, and he always loved to wind up Alex Bone, which is always a bonus. You got no soul, you rubber bumpers! Okay, game by game, as I said, we'll talk through some of Charlie's comments as we go through the month's game. And let's go all the way back to the 31st of October, uh, the first uh, the first win, 3-1 win against our bro. Dan Mackay has netted his first of the season, Sam Allardyce with his first goal for the club, and Toddy with his third in three games. Albeit our both are a part-time club, this, this was a great win, given how we struggled against them last season, wasn't it? It was a really important win. It was our first win this season. Um, I mean, you're t- when did you say it was the 31st of October? That's less than a month ago, but it feels to me like it's a completely different era, you know? It was a time when Scotland hadn't qualified for a major tournament for 22 years and Nikolai Todorov was playing up front for us. And given, given the way things have moved, you know, for both teams over the last month, it just feels like it was an extremely long time ago. Um, and that, so that game was extremely windy. We were against the wind in the first half. Bobby Lynn <laughs> ran half the pitch, just strolling past Brad Mackay in the process and set up an easy tap-in for their opener. And it wasn't looking good. But we came out the second half, gradually got on top, got Roddy Moore into the game and you know won, won comfortably in the end. We really dug it out. Uh, Allardyce obviously scores that lovely goal and then Toddy pops up at the end. I, I, I don't think, I didn't leave the game, well, I wasn't at the game, I didn't leave the stream uh, really thinking that we turned a corner in terms of our season, just impressed with the spirit. Um, still problems at the back in this game, but just impressed with the spirit to dig out a result like that when it looked like it was going against us. Then we moved on to um, Hearts, I think it was the 7th of November, that was a 2-1 loss. Doran's got the consolation effort coming off the bench after Naismith and Boyce have netted for the Jambos. But it wasn't a bad performance, really, was it? No, I think um, I think if you look at both of our defeats this season against a good Dunfermline side, we were competing the whole game and obviously we, we ran Hearts close. Um, no, nah, I mean, these set of games against Hearts, I always see is, um, yeah, it's a buck she three points if we get them. We're never going to be set of back to get any points. So, yeah, we, we finished the game strong and it's obviously taken us... Take us forward for the games that came after Hearts. Very briefly on Hearts again, Stevie, what's more confusing, a, a Robbie Nielsen team selection or an Anne Budge statement? Well, I went to high school with Robbie Nielsen and uh, yeah, he um, he talks with um, nails in his mouth at the best of times. So yeah, I'll go for Nielsen on that one. The, the, uh, obviously, we're recording this on the weekend where we don't have a game and the Jambos have just been papped out of the cup by Aloha. Mm-hmm. The game before that really highlighted some of the deficiencies in their game and the deficiencies in his team selection and his tactics. Do you think he's been found out now? I mean, they've obviously thought he was a safe pair of hands, AY. Do you think he's been found out in terms of his tactics or lack of them or lack of uh, creativity as a manager? I think lack of creativity as a manager is something. I mean, I actually thought, I mean, for all that we're being critical of them, I thought they actually played well in the first half and um, they were a lot better than they were against us in the League Cup. You know, there's some really nice kind of uh, attacking play when they cut through us really well. Going back to Charlie's comments, Charlie doesn't think that they will run away with the league. He doesn't subscribe to that. No, they won't. They won't I don't think they'll run away. I think the Fairman will be, will be there towards the end of the season, but Hearts will win the league. But, yeah, here's a big question for all three of you then. Will we take any points off Hearts this season? 
yeah, would love yeah, to see yeah. the lineup, the front four we had against Wraith last week, who I hope we'll talk about lots later. Um, I'd like to see them against Hearts. I'd love to see Keaton's off, Keaton's off story with Kennedy and Shane either side against Hearts. We've not seen that. Um, so uh, uh, there's every chance. I'd love to get them while they're in the middle of that sticky patch you're talking about. So yes, unfortunately, I'd love them next week. That's when you'd want them, isn't it? So yes or no? Yeah, yes or no? no. Yes, we will. We will. We will beat Hearts this season. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the 10th of November. Played a uh, Wraith in the League Cup, three-three draw. The game that had everything. If if you'd have been at this game, it would probably be the best Tuesday night you'd had all year. I know that. I know Private Eyes is shut on a Tuesday, so um, <laughs> Sutherland scoring from a lovely Kennedy cross. Keating's netting a penalty, McGregor knocking on the rebound after Keating's hits the upright with a free kick. So much creativity from that Keating's, Doran, Kennedy, Roddy combination where I'm going to call him Big Sam behind him. Is that our best midfield five? No, I think you'd have Welsh in there. You'd have to have Welsh. I think when, when, we're, choosing, when we're choosing who our attacking players is, and that's what somebody's going somebody's gonna to miss out. Some weeks it'll be Roddy, some weeks it'll be Kennedy, some weeks it'll be Shane, some weeks it'll be Doran. Because if Welsh is fit, you play Welsh and Allardyce, of course you do. And it's a great platform for those players to play on. But th- this game was just hugely enjoyable, um, even despite our defensive woes. It was just th- the amount we created and the spell we had in the second half when we came back, when we went ahead, we could have, well, we should have had at least two more penalties um, and could have created a number of other, scored a number of other goals. Um, it, was, it was just hugely enjoyable to see us play free-flowing football at last. Defensively, we looked, we did look really slack here. What was the issue? Danny Devine. I'll say yeah. it. I mean, is that simple to say that? I mean, I presume that Danny maybe listens to the pod, so it's not exactly what somebody wants to hear. No, I'm going to, I'm going to give Danny praise later when I speak about another game, but um, and it's testament to him to come back. But the but he had a nightmare that night, and uh, I think he'd probably admit that himself. I don't think Dees was particularly impressive. I think across the back we were a bit disjointed. I mean, some of the goals we lost, especially the one in the last second, was was criminal. But um, yeah, I think we'll talk about it later, but we've learned from our mistakes. And if you don't learn, then what's the point? But no, we, we cocked up at the back, definitely. But even, even if we don't sort out the problems at the back and that causes us to finish mis- mid-table, miss out on the playoffs or whatever, if we take that approach to games, we'll have more fun watching this team than we have done over the last five years. Yeah. OK, we'll move on okay. to the East Fife game, 14th of November, 1-0 win. Kennedy sparkling again. Shane Sutherland with a bullet of a header the difference between the sides, and it starts for Harry Nicholson, Aaron Dorrance, uh, Story is back off the bench. Th- this is just what we wanted for this game, isn't it? It was game time for players and getting injured boys back, yeah? I think we, I think we need to recognise uh, Cameron yeah. McKay and coming in, saving a penalty, and for a guy that's probably going to sit on the bench for 99% of the season to come in and play well. I mean, he, was, he wasn't that tested, but still, nice penalty save, and yeah, it's always good to see Someone else between the sticks and perform well, and I think Cammy knows his role at the club. And yeah, it was good to see him get a little bit of limelight. Charlie mentioned we, we had seven academy players on the team sheet in this match, um, which was a huge, a big source of pride for him. Any of them stand out for any of you in particular? For me, I haven't seen a few different people play right back this season. I thought Nicholson in particular seemed to take it all in his stride. I think he looked quite comfortable. Yeah, I thought Nicholson looked good going forward. You know, a couple of really dangerous balls into the box. I don't remember him looking particularly exposed at the back either, you know. Um, and it might yeah. mean that Wallace Duffy could move back into the centre at some point as well, because Warwick could move into the centre, you know, because he's talked about preferring to play in there, you know. I think it's just it's Robbo's policy this season, isn't it? You know, 
have players that can play a number of different positions. I thought Nichols looked absolutely fine. Just, you know, better than fine, actually. I mean, really impressive. Just as Fife has himself, you know. And Mackay actually saving that penalty is, you know, as, as Stevie said, that, that's great to see a young player like that get that sort of confidence, you know. And a young, a young player uh, that didn't play in this match, um, he played in pre-season, uh, I'll just mention this very quickly, uh, Shane Harkness, he's just gone on loan to Rothis, I believe, young striker. Yep. Ross, uh, you went to school with his mum, didn't you? I'll do that before I. Yeah, no. Hi, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie said uh, another Shane, Shane Sutherland, has got a big contribution to make this year. He could be a real valuable player. Yeah, I think um, it, it was a beautiful header. You know, I mean, it was that, that was something good thing about there being no supporters in the, in the stadium. Is that you absolutely hear that thud of him connecting with it and it going in. It was a good leap as well because he did have a defender on him. It, it wasn't like he was in in loads of space. You know, and he, he just finished it beautifully. Okay, let's move on to Wraith, the Wraith game, the 2-0 win. This wasn't just our first really great performance this season. I think this was the culmination of the past eight months, wasn't it? Young players coming to fruition, fans back in the ground, families having a day out, boys going back to the pub for a celebratory pint. Inverness on Saturday the 21st of November was the happiest place in Britain, was it not? Best performance per season of the season by a mile, yeah. I mean, off and off the park, everything came to, came to fruition. I mean, uh, we're talking about the shape up front. I love this Keaton story and Shane, the three going three across the front. Um, we're now playing a lot of width as well, and that was obviously evident with the, the first goal. Story coming from the right and then passing to, um, to Keaton to put it away nicely. But uh, Kennedy and McGregor, tremendous. Allardyce, who had been consistent all season, I think, for a, for a player that probably we knew probably the least amount of out. He's probably the first name in the team sheet. Now he's Mr. Consistent. Um, also looked better in the back and also um, to D- Danny Devine, who I thought was superb. We spoke yeah. about the race game before. Who yeah, obviously, obviously I thought he was, was horrible. He's improved in that game. Just go back to Allardyce for a second, Stevie. He has been a standout, mm-hmm. hasn't he? He's not, not just for his... I mean, the two goals he scored are fantastic finishes. But Charlie said, mm-hmm. going back to Charlie's comments, that he has good stature when he does the unglamorous unglam- side of the game. If that's unglamorous, I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's got up his sleeve for the rest of the season because he's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, again, it's, I, I, Mr. Consistent. I mean, he he does the simple things. I mean, he's got a goal in him as we've seen. Scored a couple of crackers. I mean, even the one against Race, he took it well. But yeah, he, he's a big imposing guy. I mean, I wouldn't like to go into fifty-fifty challenge with him. He's he looks like a good player, and again, someone that probably didn't have a lot of hopes on. But just coming back to Allardyce. Um, I think, you know, as you say, he's been absolutely outstanding. I think the combination between him and McGregor in that game, uh, without being too hyperbolic, they were actually echoes of Draper and Tansy. I thought the way that um, McGregor, who in a field of very, very strong contenders, was actually, I thought, the standout player in that game, you know, were um, interchanging passes, McGregor looking for it, and then kind of moving forward with it with such confidence was tremendous, you know, and we're seeing a really, really good combination there. You know, those two, if Sean Welsh is going to be in and out of the teams, he very often is because of his kind of you know, fitness problems. I would be very, very happy to see those two together. The only thing about Allardyce is um, you kind of worry that if he's showing this well this early, a player who started off at Premier League team, you know, is getting all this praise. Then, you know, January, here comes Uncle Roy with his checkbook and his leader. Uh, I thought that was Brad McKay's best game this season. I, I always fancy. Yeah. I, I know he always wants to play centre half, but I always fancy him more as a fullback than a centre half. Yeah, I actually. I think, I think that's our back four now. Yeah. Uh, until Toshney's fit, I mean, it's it's harsh on Duffy. He's not done anything wrong 
in particular, just being another young player in a back four that can't afford another young player, I think. So yeah. if you you know mm. you can get Mackay and Divine into that back four for the experience, then then do it. And Brad in that game, he quite often he had options inside. Quite often, yeah. you know, Brad Mackay's early ball was the reason that people didn't like him at right back because he's throwing in these awful early balls. But he was actually passing it inside because he had options there. Roddy was available. Allardyce is sitting there available. Keaton's is dropping off. But I just I wanted to say that, you know, it'd be remiss not to give a bit of love to Miles Story after this yeah. game. Mm-hmm. He absolutely changed what the other players were able to do, you know, with his running, his pace and power. Keaton's loves it. It's perfect for Keaton's. It's a perfect foil for him to find pockets. Of course, Story's wasteful, but you know, if 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 Keaton's is around there to pick up on stuff that he wastes, then that's perfect. The and I think it also had a lot to do with Roddy's performance. Was you know with the way that they were occupying the Rafe centre halves, there was there was this space opening up that Roddy was driving into. So Story, even if we do criticise his, his you know his final act very often, his final shot or cross, um he is making everyone else better. Okay, well, yeah, it's been a good start to the season. Um, on the whole, there's been three players that have been ever present so far this season. Do you know who they are? Robbie Dees has got to be one. Robbie Dees is one, yep. Allardyce? Allardyce. Allardyce is the other, yep. This is all league games, and then obviously the other ones. Yeah, McGregor, McGregor. Well, no, those are the three that, um, those three have played oh. every minute of every game. Uh, oh, right. oh, well, you didn't ask the right question then. Well, I ask whatever questions I want. For McDonald, up the castle, Liverness men, Weegee's hustle, Jenny Heaver, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Tudor's City, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Molly Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Weegee Centre. The fans are back, the chosen few, the anointed ones, the 300. Okay, they didn't exactly dine in hell because there was no pies on sale, but they did watch as the boys in blue and red, please note it's blue and red stripes, not blue with red trim, I don't know what idiot said that, fought as they fought in the November shade. We spoke to Nicole Aday and Rhea Duncan, a couple of the lucky 300. I had to be in for uh, 2.15, so jumped in the car, got down there for just after two, uh, decided to park in the car park, which was quite good. Um, the you know went to the first steward. Have you got your ticket? Have you got your ID? Before I got even into the car park, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Moved along, got to paying for the car park. It was a queued up for uh, I don't know five ten minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, got to the shade. Uh, probably the smallest shade that you can buy, but um, guy was <laughs> in there was behind a wee perspex sheet. Um, checked my ticket, checked my ID. I'd put my hand in the in the cabin. He took my temperature off my wrist. Um, moved on to the next guy. He scanned the ticket. Moved on to the next steward. He pointed me the next way up into the seat. Seat was marked with a little green tick, and it mm-hmm. was it was straightforward getting in. No problems at all. Yeah, it was just a queuing system. You had to, like, we had times that we had to go and ours was, like, have to just wait. It took, obviously, a bit of a while because this is, like, the first time they'd done it. But mm. by the time we got through in that, it wasn't too bad. Obviously, you just had to, like, sanitise your hands and mm-hmm. find your seat in that. What was I? Four seats away from the next guy. 
couple of roads forward, a couple of roads behind. Um, you were sort of looking around. Everybody's got to wear masks for the whole game, which being a specs wearer is not great. But um, yeah. I got I got through it. You know, you just adjust your mask until it it works out. Um, but it kind of it stopped the interaction between people. There wasn't. You know, my, my brother actually got a ticket as well, but he was further along the stand than me. But of course, mm-hmm. you can't you can't just go over and have a quick chat. You know, yeah, so it's like wave from a distance, phone them. <laughs> it was a bit ridiculous, but um, aye. It was actually quite good because I don't think we'd be allowed to shout in that. So that was really good. Mm-hmm. Being able to shout again and, <laughs> you know, and I think the players really fed off of it. I think that's, you know, you could tell that the players are happy to have us back in the stadium. Yeah, we're, we're not exactly the most raucous fans. We're not <laughs> like a Warsaw, shall we say. You know, it was... Um, Polite applause, I think, would be the way I'd put it. But everybody was Aye. involved in the match. You know, everybody was there to watch it. Well, I think they'll just, like, improve, like, the waiting time and that, you know, and, you know, get everything a bit more streamlined as they get used to having the fans and that in the stadium. Well, the, the government's obviously limited to 300. Def, we could have doubled that easy. So um, I, I had no real trouble with the way the, the ballot went, but I think yeah. it, was, it wasn't announced that the, the emails were going to be coming out. You know, it wasn't a check your emails now, you might be yeah. one of the lucky ones sort of thing. There should have been a bit, a bit more of a hurrah about it, if you like. Um, but I think how it worked, you know, if you could go, you went. Um, there was a few folk missing. There was a few mm-hmm. seats that were marked that folk weren't there, but not that many. I would say there was probably 250. I, I think... I'm kind of gutted that I'm not going to... That, that's the one thing. I went, I really enjoyed the game, but I'm kind of gutted that I'm not going to get to go to the next one. If you know what I mean? It's like, football's bad. Yeah. No, it's not. But it's a start. <laughs> it's a start, you know? Right, Nickel calling from his sat phone in Alaska, making a great point there. He's excited to be back at the football. He gets that satisfaction of a great performance at the full-time whistle, only to realise that the whistle also means no games for him for the next two or three weeks. But it does all sound like it went to plan, doesn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're all, we're all jealous, everyone in this um, this podcast, that the, the local guys can uh, go to the games. But yeah, I mean, according to both fans, Ria and uh, Nickel, um, yeah, it was all done well. I think I think they adhered to the uh, the rules well. I thought the taking the temperature from the, the wrist was a new thing, but I mean, I'm, I'm no expert. I thought it was a forehead, but yeah, apparently that seemed to be the the way that they took temperatures. But yeah, it all went well and they, they had a enjoyable day, so all good. Yeah, that's and good. and there, was a, there was a lack of hot drinks. Ross, would that put you off? I mean, you normally just stick a quarter bottle of grousey in your pants, don't you? And I would be doing <laughs> the same, yeah. Don't, don't need a hot drink. I just want to go to the bloody football. It's ridiculous that there's only 300 le- allowed in. Should be you can hide a miniature behind your mask, couldn't you? Think you could fit a little small miniature bottle of grouse behind your mask, Ross? You Look, can I, can, I, I went to a restaurant today and I was vaping throughout my lunch through the mask. I can do anything through a mask. <laughs> All right, Batman. Let's talk about the, you know, every podcast, I think I say there's an elephant in the room, not so much an elephant in the room, as a shite newspaper in the room. The Daily Record, we talked about them at the, at the, start, of the start of the pod, and um, we'll talk about them again just now in a little bit more detail. This is the second time that they've had a go at um, our football club, uh, need, needlessly, quite frankly. I don't know who the whistleblower was, I don't think anybody knows who the whistleblower was, but I can tell you for a fact, if a journalist is writing a story about an organization, the first thing you do is you go to that organization to approach them for comment. 
the fact that the Daily Record haven't done that with the football club speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I wonder if you got to wonder if Jackson and Gardner maybe have a bit of previous. Um, but yeah, this was a it was a nothing story. As you know, the BBC didn't take it. The P and J didn't take it. Um, why they chose to run with it without without contacting the club, I don't know. Um, it seems, and and given that this is the second time that we've had this kind of pressure on them, it's starting to look a wee bit like a vendetta. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we need to find, we need to find the whistleblower. We need to uncover, we need to, you know, do a bit of investigative journalism as a line of shuffle and track down the whistleblower. Okay, my, my last question is, why do they keep playing when the Saints go marching in? Who's oh. playing that? The Tannoy guy? Every time, yeah. my mate was at the game and he said, every time there's a goal, you know, about three they times in the game, three times yeah. after, like, that's that's St. That's Johnston, that's St. Lennon. Why are they playing that? Just because they've got a recording of it on the bagpipes? Um, it's on the bagpipes, so presumably they've got the boy doing the commentary who is presumably also a bagpiper to play the one tune he knows, and they've just recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the fans are back. We hope 299 of you thoroughly enjoyed your day out. As for the remaining one, we hope you got pneumonia. For McDonald, up the castle, Liverness men, Weegee's hustle, Jenny Heapers, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Judith's city, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Molly Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Centre, Matalan. Okay, a very quick new feature before we head off to Dundee to speak with uh, Dundee fan. Uh, initiate, they like that. Initiation songs. Willis Duffy recently revealed that he was made to sing Rick Astley's timeless classic. Never going to give you up as part of his initiation into the club. But what did some of our past players sing and current players? Well, we've done some digging and can we, we can exclusively reveal if Brad Mackay sang Don't Go Breaking My Hearts or Robert Eagle performed Hotel California. Lads, what have we got? Yeah, I've, got I've got three that we... Um, we, we well, I listened to, to some footage of these um, three initiation songs and they were, they were tremendous. Um, three, three promising voices and... Um, yeah, I'd take him to boot camp. So we had a young Aaron Doran. <laughs> when I say young, he's, he's learned his lessons. But he, he sung I Fought the Law by The Clash. And uh, the law won. Uh, so yeah, he had a run with the police back in the day. And uh, that was his that was an initiation song back in the day. With James Keatons, who's also got a new haircut. Um, bought it in Turkey, so he's got a fine head of hair. So he sung Lend Me Your Comb by The Beatles. Lovely song. And then with Danny Devine... Full, full, full repertoire. Black leather coat, shades on, stri- straight into the the Caledonia Stadium, like Conor McGregor singing "Return of the Mac" by Mark Morrison. So that was the three that I saw, and they were superb boys. Well done. So I've got uh, for Richie Hart, uh, "White Lines Don't Do It" by Melly Mel. Oh, uh, <laughs> could also that's, chuck in. That's the winner. In, that's the winner so far. <clears throat> could chuck in "White Christmas" if you like as well. Uh, for Richie, <laughs> Dougie Emery, uh, "Shit Arm Bad to Two by Half Man Half Biscuit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do you remember David Craig played yeah, for us? Yeah. Eleven games, yeah. I. Well, he had to sing um, Fill Me In by Craig David, but he had to sing <laughs> it all backwards. So it was like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I've got some Ross County related ones first. Do you want to hear them? Uh, Ian Vigers, I'm Not Okay by Chemical, My Chemical Romance. Uh, Roy McGregor, Money, 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 pretty obvious. Uh, Stuart Kettlewell, <laughs> Just Basically Anything by Vampire Weekend. Then we've got Ricky Calder, these boots were made for walking. <laughs> and the yeah. final, fi- final one for our uh, European um, adventure, uh, Owen Fong Williams, Drop It Like It's Hot. 
pimps in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Time now for the third of our features with opposition fans. Today we take a virtual trip down to Tayside and the city of Dundee. We get off the train, skip up the steps, and marvel at the shape of the V&A and the shape of some of the creatures creeping out of the boozers. We take a dander up Tannery Street, ignore the arrogant Arabs, knock on the door of dens, and are greeted by the host of the Dundee FC podcast, walking down the Provy Road, and sometimes on the telly, Mr. Gary Cocker. Right, Gary, they say the city of Dundee is built on jute, jam and journalism. Which one is your favourite and what is jute? Jute, I believe, is, and this is me going back to a a primary school project here, but I'm pretty sure it's the product that, one of the products you can get from working hemp. So it was what the the textile mills of Dundee at the turn of the 20th century produced. Uh, Favourite's got to be jam. Why wouldn't it be? It's certainly not the journalism, uh, so... Certainly not. Well, there you go. There you go. The wine is shuffle. Uh, informative, educational, as usual. <laughs> um, okay, for these for these these normal opposition fan chats, we I've got a template that I normally work through. Um, I, I sent you it in advance. We go through your tactics, your manager, the players to to watch out for. But the Dundee fans are restless. The players are restless. Gary, what's going on? Yep, the fans are revolting and they're not very happy either. Um, it's I can say that other people can't. No, it's. It's one of, I think one of my friends worked this out. I think this is our second worst start in the second tier in our history this season. We've taken five points from five games, as you know, and we are uh, responsible for Alwa getting off the board. The only point they've picked up is a point at home to us. In reality, it probably should have been all three as well. It's been not only a disappointing start to the season, but I would go as far and as hyperbolic to say a catastrophic start. We were expecting to be, I think the way I put it at the start of the season was I want us to keep hearts honest. I wouldn't expect us to actually win the league. Uh, I'm I'm not that deluded. I'm slightly deluded, but not totally. Um, But I was hoping that we would at least be, um, I would say, fighting out with probably Dunfermline for a second um, and hopefully all going well keeping them at a good arm's length and fin- uh, securing second place. At the moment, if you said to me, I can give you a playoff spot, I'd be asking which set, because it's been that bad a start to the season. But things can only get better from here. You talk about Dunfermline in the same in the same breath there, Dunfermline yourselves, Hearts. Do you think that your recruitment has been as good as Dunfermline's? Whether or not we've actually recruited correctly in the correct areas of the squad is another matter, and whether or not the manager knows what to do with the players when he's got them at his disposal is yet another question. Yeah. Um, I mean, fans of your pod will know very well that Jack Hamilton is not uh, not good enough, really, yeah. uh, to be in goal, and we hadn't recruited properly there. So in the summer, we were saying we need more centre-halves, at least one. We need a new goalie, and we didn't go out and get either of those. We did get Charlie Avonthill, so not all is yeah. lost. You talk about players playing at a position. I was watching one of your games recently, and it took me about 20 minutes to work out what the, what the system was, where the players were playing. Paul McGowan seemed to be operating as a right midfielder, but as almost like a false right, almost like an inside right. So any width that you had would have to be supplied by your fullback. But then if you're defending all the time, you're not going to get any width. Uh, what I'd say is that if you manage to work it out within 20 minutes, you've done better than most of us. It's been a very strange season for where we've played people. And I think part of that plays into the fact that 
as I said before, James McPake wants to play a back three with wing backs, which is fine. But recruit so that you have a team that can play a back three with wing backs. Paul McGowan, I know he, he went off on one at the weekend, didn't he? Just I've, I've taken <laughs> yes. some of his some of his quotes here. Uh, the manager works tirelessly all week, is what he said. What's he working tirelessly at? Do you think? I have no idea whatsoever. I mean, McGowan's not the only one. Charlie Adams come out um, and said basically, uh, and I'm only mildly paraphrasing here, I didn't sign up for this in the <laughs> summer. Um, and I can totally see his point. I mean, it's it's difficult to know what McPake's actually doing because there is no game plan that you see unless the game plan is um, go one goal up to opponents who, if Dundee are looking to finish in the playoffs, we should be handily pushing away at home and then just collectively panic with 20 minutes to go and sit deep and concede, because that's what we've done. Do you think that um, because he's been at the club for so long, do you think that's what's given him this sort of, um, this extra stay, this extra period as manager? Because even last season, you know, our our supporters, the United supporters, you know, even we could see that, you know, he doesn't seem to be the smartest manager in the league, not even in the top five. Yeah, there's a couple of things at play there. So I think one of them is that, I think the fans certainly were willing to give him a little bit longer uh, than we usually would. I think with our board, the thing about John Nelms is that he is patient. (laughs) Well, sorry, I I needed to set you up there. It's nearly panel season after all. Um, (laughs) He is patient to a fault, and I mean to a fault. So there is a pattern for John Nelms doesn't pull the trigger when he shoots. And the problem at the moment is with no fans in the ground, for us at least, uh, maybe slightly different uh, up in the Highlands, but uh, for us, no fans in the ground means that everything can be dismissed as social media yeah. noise. It's not social media noise. I, I do not know a single Dundee fan at the moment who expects or would want to see McPake uh, in the hot seat beyond Christmas. And that's me being generous with time skills. So who's the, play, who's the player to watch out for? You know, you, possibly you're going to say Charlie Adam, but who, who's someone we might not be aware of that could, uh, could uh, prove problematic for us when we come up against you in a couple of weeks' time? I'd say the one that I would pick here um, would probably actually be one of our young players, Max Anderson. So there was a lot of talk last season about Finlay Robertson. Uh, Finlay Robertson is more of a sort of a number six, the human metronome at the back, um, you know, providing that screen to the defence and then just sort of keeping things ticking over. But Max Anderson is that sort of, uh, you know, that number eight style player, the, the dynamic all-action midfielder who puts himself about and at one moment he's, you know, sort of helping out the left back, the next moment he's popping up on the right wing somehow. Um, he's terrific. He's, he's only really come through this season um, and he's got a bit of fight about him. And the Charlie Adam factor, is he just about pinging balls? I've seen him play in the games on the TV and he's still got that range of passing, but is, is he himself a passenger? He, it's a difficult one. If, if I could keep him more than 30 yards away from our goal at all times, that would be great because there's been times, we saw it in the Hearts game, uh, I think it happened a couple of times against Cove as well in the Cup, where he loses the ball in a dangerous area and the opposition pounces on it. Um, but as long as Inverness don't realise that what they should be doing is uh, putting, you know, if you put one of your midfielders on him and tell them just stay within five yards of Charlie Adam at all times, that does neutralise him to some extent. Um, we saw against Hibbs, Hibbs were happy to sit off him a little bit, and that meant that he could ping balls out to Marshall on the left and out to Elliot on the right, and his passing is incredible. Um, have you come up against teams that have been playing 
um, five in midfield then and be an extra midfielder to stop him playing or that's not happened yet um, the only time that was happening I think was in the game against Cove in the Cup one of the issues that we have is not so much with Charlie's supply and what he can do it's more about who he's actually supplying it to and if you've got Osmond so up top you'd be as well sticking a lamppost up there it doesn't really do anything for you what's your thoughts on Kaitha so what's your thoughts on our style of play, you know, our best and worst players. Yeah, funnily enough, my, my impression this season was that Inverness Cali would perhaps suffer a little more than most from the COVID-related issues and just from the fact that um, everybody's having to cut their cloth to a certain extent. Um, but I think that with, in our league, obviously Dunfermline have just been uh, bought over or bought into yeah. um, by a German consortium. Hearts are hearts. Um, we have American owners who... T- date have been quite happy to cover our costs which has been handy although you can't always rely on that so I was hoping that we would see Inverness fall away a little bit because Inverness I don't need to tell you are not a happy hunting ground or is not a happy hunting ground for Dundee I think we might have beaten you in the cup up in the Highlands once but we've definitely not beaten you in the league. So what's your predictions who's going up who's going down who's getting playoffs? Hearts will go up the the margin of that is up for debate. I think that you're going to see, I reckon Dunfermline would probably be a, a good stick on for second. The teams that I think are in real trouble at the other end would be Alwa and Queen of the South, um, just because I think Queen of the South had something like three or four players registered the week before the league began. It almost feels like it's their time. Uh, the interesting thing for me is in the middle, and it's who is in that playoff mix. I would expect Dunfermline to be going ahead to play probably Ross County. Um, I'm not just saying that because I'm on a, a Cali podcast. Uh, I just don't think they're that good, but no one's as bad as Aki's in the Premiership. So I would say that you know Cali, Rovers, Morton are, are in the mix for that at the moment. And I would hope to see us join them. But the good thing about the Championship is that it's it feels like no matter what team you support, there is something for you to aim for. And yeah. I think it's you know a 10-team league with six teams um, that will be... Uh, either lifting trophies in playoffs or in the pits of despair at the end of it is a big part of that. And it's a great league. Uh, it's just one I don't want to be in for too much longer. Yeah, well, uh, tell us something about Dundee FC that we might not know. Um, the, the one thing I'll go with is that there is a, there's a photograph that you can buy of a Dundee FC team line from the early 1900s, which has a monkey and a parrot in the team photo and I have no idea why there's a monkey and why there's a parrot. I think it's linked to the manager at the time having a real interest in animals. Um, so it's, for me, that photo just speaks to the fact that supporting Dundee is never boring. Um, it's, it frequently drives me mad, but uh, there's, there's always something quite surreal going on at the club and yeah. long may it continue within reason. It's, it's always interesting being a Dundee fan. Okay, league look ahead. December is upon us. Caledonian Stadium is a rocking, but all we want is a vaccine in our stocking. We'll kick off with Dundee on the 12th, since we just talked to Gary, the Dundee fan, and then we'll go back and do Queens on the 4th. So, Saturday, the 12th of December, Dundee at home. Uh, in 2012, on the 12th of December, North Korea successfully launched its first satellite. A rarely seen power mad despot and authoritarian regime and a very near neighbour we don't recognise, yet alone speak to. 
but enough about Dundee FC. I didn't realise actually that they had such a terrible record in Inverness. There's a few a few clubs we associate with that. Air Hibs, obviously, um, but I didn't realise Dundee. Did he say they'd never won in Inverness? Um, won once. It was the Scottish Cup. Remember the replay a couple of years ago? We we drew in, in Dundee, but yeah, um, I was surprised as well as Euros that uh, they're so bad up up in Highland, So. Will McPake still be in a job? Well, I hope so. I mean, because when you've got a manager like that, that you know things are clearly spiraling out of control. Aloha, Aloha, you know they were three one down. Aloha, um, that's the only point Aloha have taken this season. Um, you know they're 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 clearly are are deep deep problems in that team. Um, and the way the way the air saw them off last week, you really want a shot at them before McPake goes. That's that's how I'm looking at it. So I hope they I hope I, I hope they win next week um, to keep McPake going until they come up to us. Um, I don't want I don't want to miss that shot. Yeah, the impression I I that, um, is that uh, McPake is apparently still pretty safe. You know, that's what a lot of their supporters are saying. Kind of, you know, other websites and so on and so forth. I think we actually we pinpointed a lot of these issues with them, didn't we? That they hadn't bought in the right areas. You know, some of the stuff that Gary talked about, they've not bought in the right areas. They um, have got a truly horrific goalkeeper in Hamilton. I know they've got this guy, what's it, Lessons or something like that. That started them now and apparently fucked up the first goal against Bear last week. Um, no pace in the middle, very little up front. The defence was a disaster last season, and it still seems to be the same this season. You know, um, so yeah, it just looks like that they bought. You know, they bought Adam because they had the opportunity to buy him because some benefactor is putting the money in, and they haven't actually addressed these problems. You know, and if you compare that with what I think, without kind of tempting fate. Robo has done really well, which is to try and address the areas that we really have got issues in. The club in turmoil. I mean, I think McPake has got shades of Richie Foran about him. I think he's a good guy around the, the, the club. I think he's got he probably got the ear of the players, but he's not a manager. And yeah. um, well, Gary, Gary said uh, I, I didn't include it in the in the chat there, but Gary had said that he's a really he was a really really highly rated youth coach. So all these youth players that are coming through into their team, a little bit like us, but they're a little bit further forward for that. That are coming through into their first team tonight are all players that McPake has brought through himself during his period as a youth coach. Mm-hmm. So that's why they that's why they um, promoted him to first. Well, I, think, team. I think I think the boy Finley Robertson who's from I think he's from Aberdeen. The boy Finley Robertson who shows a lot of potential. If we if we accept that Hearts and Dunfermline are finishing in the top four, then us, Air, Wraith, and Dundee are competing for the for the other two playoff places. Uh, well, James McPake, he might not be a great manager. He might have a criminal conviction or two. But on a sliding scale of the Marr brothers and war criminal Giovanni Di Stefano. <laughs> uh, and Paul okay. McGowan, he's got more. And Paul McGowan, yeah, he's got his own, own demons. Uh, Friday, 4th of December, so it's the week before the Dundee game, we've got Queen of the South away. Dumfries has experienced two Christmas earthquakes. These were in 1979 and 2006. So let's hope we can make a seismic reaction here. Because these are these are certainly the games we need to win, are they not? This one's going to be a bit of a test simply because, you know, we've started to really build momentum. We've started to play really well. They've obviously um, had a decent last or better last game, you know, a 2 0 win against Aloha, one all draw against our both. Um, but their team was very much pulled together at the last minute. I think, you know, we are starting from the position of having a better, more gelled team stronger players and the better form. So I think, you know, it's one of those things that we think if, if, if we win at this in this game, then we're really starting to build momentum. I think we'll beat them comfortably. I, don't, I, I think they are whipping boys. I see them struggling. But I think the more the biggest challenge will be the 
234 miles up the road without a shower. I mean, that alone is an that's, absolute that's joke. Sure, so. That's surely not... I mean, I know that clubs have to say that players aren't getting showers. Yeah. Players, players are getting well, showers. I've, no, they're not. I've got a big gripe. I mean, it's also the same for teams leaving Inverness. I mean, we're going to go home at what? What? Three in the morning, four in the morning if you stop in Perth for a piss. You're telling, you're so, telling me that no player coming up to Inverness, like away fans, when they come up, that's what away fans, away players when they come up, nobody's getting a shower. No, if you're hearing the rules, then no one showers and stuff. And again, you're going up the road in what, middle of night in December from, again, 234 miles without a shower. That's a hindrance. I mean, you're going to get more illnesses and bugs on a yeah. bus. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that. I mean, unless Roddy McGregor or somebody can come on and, and tell us otherwise, I think, you know, clubs might not be telling people, but players, of course, of course they're having showers. They've got to have a shower. The professional... No, not if you're not. They're not I, I, there's, there's, there's so, there's so um, much of a spotlight on his moth that I don't think they are. And again, I agree with you. It should be the case that how can you not sanitise a shower after, even, even if they use it one at a time? It sounds stupid, but... That may be a way around it, but apparently it's not. So, have you not ever had a game of fives and then gone out to the pub afterwards? Once you're in your second pint, you forget about it. Showers are overrated. <laughs> showers are overrated. Showers are overrated. Where are you from, Dingo? Like, Saturday, nineteenth of December, <laughs> Alloa Way. On this day in 1985, the legendary pie in a row was created when famous Italian travel writer Pietro Tiramisu attended the Alloa game that day and asked for a panini roll. It being 1985, said Burger Van had never heard of a panini and hence served him a pie in a row. Pietro did not eat, said Delicacy, but a clock manager marvel was created. Can we call it the real name? It's not, it's not a pie, no, it's a hairy pie, that's what they call it, right? Give it the full name, it deserves more. It's not a pie, it's a hairy pie, that's what it's called. I can understand why you had some reservations about doing that intro, Moff. Uh, so, uh, the way you teed this up uh, before we before we came on air, you were kind of talking this up as maybe a straightforward three points, as if you hadn't been like the rest of us frequently to Alloa over the last couple of years to Recreation Park and seen us pick up fuck all. Um, it's not been a happy hunting ground since they came up, and I even you know I'm not going to be. The fact that they're bottom of the league with one point doesn't give me any more hope. They're they're a team that we find it difficult to play against. It's a pitch well, just, that we find you know, it difficult to play on. At time they've, of recording, they've just beaten Hearts. They've just beaten Hearts in the cup at home. Yep. Um, the one point they took was against Dundee. I watched that game. They were very good at times in that game. Um, and I think their position is false. Uh, you know, Maybe not. Maybe they will finish bottom, but they will pick up plenty of points. They've played... Uh, Dundee, they've played Hearts and they've played Dunfermline, you know, out of the five games. So they've they've not had a great start. Albeit they've also lost to Martin and Queen of the South. But that's they're a team that that we struggle against on a pitch that we struggle against. And I'm I'm yeah. not all that confident. If I do, you know, if I do take a bit of confidence, it would be from the fact that we are much the the fluidity of the front line at Wraith. Maybe maybe that allows us to penetrate them in a different way when we were going there with Jordan White. Um, if we, you know, if all our ball players are are hitting it, maybe we can stretch them in a way or or break them down in a way that we couldn't in the last two seasons. That, that's but, the key. That's the key to football. You need to have penetrating ball players. Well, yeah, talk about Neil Parry if you want, but yeah, that was the last game that I think a lot of us in this call attended in person, and uh, yeah, I made a tip of myself that day. But yeah, I think. 
it's, it's a sore is Neil Parry on your Christmas card list, Stevie? He <laughs> 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 certainly is not a little dick. Um, but no, I think I think you're right. See, we I think we'll turn him over no problem away now. But well, aloha and goodbyes. Where'd you want to drink? Well, 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 the Glen Alvin, the Thistolin, the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Tavern, Cupcus Jocker, Dimes at Gallon, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Waters, Love to Love, Cake Exchange, and Mambo's Hush, Heepies, Jeebies, Johnny's, Riley's, Bertie's, Kilmore, Hoop, and Ollie's. Right, now on to this pod's player interview. The surname McGregor was banned in Scotland several times prior to the 18th century in an effort to clap down on what was an unruly clan. But we're glad they didn't. Since then, notable people with the surname include William Wallace Light, Rob Roy McGregor, The Phantom Menace, Ewan McGregor, pretend WWF fighty man Conor McGregor, and some Highland musician called Bruce McGregor. Nah, I haven't heard of him either. Um, but they all pale <laughs> in significance when compared with the heir apparent to the creative Cali Thistle throne, we talked to young Mr. Roddy McGregor. Roddy, obviously, we're, we're a few games in the season now. We've played five league games. You've uh, played all five as far as, yeah, you played all five league games. Uh, did you expect to play as much this season or has um, it came a bit soon? Well, I maybe wouldn't have expected to play as much, but uh, obviously coming into the season, I was hoping I'd get a, a fair bit of game time. Uh, mm-hmm. But obviously, like I've not been playing like my my usual position, so maybe I didn't expect that. I've been playing a bit deeper uh, for most of the games. But uh, no, it's been great. Uh, obviously, we've had quite a bit of an injury problem, but uh, a lot of the boys are coming back now, so it should be interesting to see who who kind of gets the games and we'll all need to fight for our place in that as well. So should be good. I know, and obviously, getting your first goal against Racer Week has. Um... Rob and the boys been on at you to maybe get some more goals. It looks like when you scored, they were all over you as if it was a relief aye. to get that one first one out of no, the back. A lot of the boys were winding me up before because I've, I've not scored. But uh, aye, I was just so so happy to finally get it and hopefully I can just keep adding that to my game, keep adding assists as well. So I was just really happy to kind of get it off my back as well. So It was a world of a finish for about three years out, wasn't it? I know, I did done my best to miss it as well, honestly. <laughs> Think about, came off my knee, bouncing about. Nah, I was just—I oh. would have taken anything to be honest with you. So it was a composed finish, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll just say it's a composed finish. You had time, aye, you put it aye. away well. <laughs> so, looking at the team now, mate. Um, obviously, a few new boys have um, have come in. It's a younger team, obviously, from obviously days gone by and stuff. And as a young player, does aye. that does that help you in terms of on the pitch and off the pitch, having boys around a similar age? Or aye, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, there's kind of a mix now between the younger lads. Like, there's a few younger ones that. Have, grown up from up here and then there's obviously likes of Kai, DZ, Wallace, still younger boys, but they've come from uh, different clubs and that. But I think we're all we're all getting on great. We're all gelling really well. And obviously we've got that we've got that mix of senior players as well. So they definitely help us kind of uh well obviously add an experience uh to to the side. Looks like they're playing a bit more fluid, looks like they're obviously using the wide players a lot more, but getting the ball down. Is that yeah. a benefit to you? Because obviously you're a ball playing midfielder. You've got Kai Kennedy. You've got like a story out wide. And obviously Shane can play out wide. Is that is that something that Robbo said to you in the past, or is it just maybe came through, yeah, well, through games? I think, I think we've always kind of we've always kind of tried to play play that way in an ideal world. But I mean, maybe the players we had in, like in the past, maybe that wasn't best suited to us. But I'd say I'd say this season we're definitely a like we like to get the ball on the deck and pass it about. 
because that's the kind of players we've got now. Obviously, you mentioned Kai and Keatsy and players like that. We just like getting the getting into feet, working it one twos and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd say that's that's definitely like the coaches always try to drill it into us just to get the ball down and play. But obviously, you know yourself, that's not that's not always how football goes, and there's games where that might change as well. So, yeah, I think we're just kind of trying to trying to get our own style of play, and I think I think it's been working so far, to be honest. Yeah. How happy are you with the start of the league campaign then and uh, what's um, your thoughts on the, the game so far? Given the kind of injury crisis we've had, like we've done all right. And I think we're, we're really starting to turn a corner here with the last few games we've played. Uh, obviously, we've got boys coming back as well, still to come. But I think uh, we obviously didn't get off to the best start down at uh, Dunfermline. Uh, but I, d- I definitely say we're coming on now as a team. We're, we're kind of gelling better and I think, I think the the results are just keep going to keep coming, I hope, anyway. So, yeah. Oh, good. And obviously Saturday then, um, some some lucky buggers, unlike me, were allowed to go into the game on Saturday. How um, how pleasing was it to see some fans back and uh, the home and away ends on Saturday? No, it was brilliant, honestly. Like, you you kind of take it for granted when you're when you're playing with with fans uh, in normal circumstances, but it was, just, it was just great. Even at the end, when uh, all of them stayed and just clapped us off the park, it's just it's something you miss, like, uh, from what we've had uh, in the last few months and that but just uh, gave us all a boost as well I think so it's just good for everyone to kind of get back to kind of some form of normality for everyone so yeah Do you think we could use this as an advantage I mean we're going to be the only team in the league for a probably foreseeable future that's going to have fans in especially all home games but is that I suppose it could be a hindrance sometimes because you, you will get some players that maybe won't like the pressure of playing under fans especially if it's not going well for them Aye. so I suppose there's pros and cons, but I think we should use just an advantage. If we get fans in, it's going to be it's going to be good for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'd say I'd say we we play better under pressure. To be honest with you, uh, going mm-hmm. off game games of past, but no, I, I think it's definitely a positive thing having them back in, uh, and it'll give us all just a lift as well. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need uh, like the fans getting on at you if, if the team's not playing as well. It'll kind of give us a, a bit of the arse if you like. But so yeah. Just positive all round, I think. Next few games coming up, you've got a, obviously a weekend off this week, then it's Queen of South on the Friday night. How are you looking forward to a, a six hour journey up the road with no shiver? Oh Jesus, I know that could be that could be tricky, like. Uh <laughs> obviously that's not ideal. Maybe a pretty smelly bus on the way back up, but no, we're just looking forward to the next game to be honest. It would have been good if we if there hadn't been a free week off this week, because I think uh, the momentum we've kind of got off the last last few weeks has been pretty good, so we're kind of kind not well, not unhappy, but we we could have done well again this week to be honest with you, just to keep the momentum going. But I'm sure we'll we'll carry that on and take that into uh, the Queens game on the Friday. So uh, mm-hmm. it's not it'll obviously be a tough game down there. It always is like with that pitch as well. It's not the best, but no, just looking forward to it. Well, actually, actually, you made your debut. I remember you came off the bench uh, in that 3-3 game and uh, I, you made a great beat on and if Nathan Austin could have finished the dinner that day with the 1-4-3 and uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I remember the fans all coming away get raving about you that day, mate. So hopefully it's a good little um, stomping ground for you. But after that, we've got a couple of hard games. Obviously, Dundee at home with fans. Hopefully a few more fans if we can maybe up the, the, the attendance. And Aye. then Allo and Morton and then Dufferman to finish the year. So what's, what's your sort of goals to this? This season coming up then, to play games, get more goals, more assists? I'd say so, yeah. Well, it's obviously kind of straightforward, really, but uh, I'd say that really is my goal, just play as much as I can, help the team as best as I can. Like, 
I feel like I've uh, kind of settled in my team a bit more this season. Like I've been getting consistent running games and that, and been playing playing well. So just ho- hopefully keep that up. I mean, it's going to be tough with boys coming back uh, in my position and stuff like that. But hopefully, I can just fight for my place and keep playing as much as I can. Hi, Dylan. Where do you? I mean, uh, we've been a bit torn as fans to see where your best position is. Do you see yourself as a? As a six or eight, as a, a central midfielder, or do you see yourself as a ten, a wee bit further forward? Where would you uh, ideally like to play? To be honest, I think I don't mind playing deeper, but I think I'd rather play as a ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you got more license to go try stuff, play play higher up the park as well. I'd say that's what kind of my strengths are, like kind of passing between the lines and stuff like that. So I'd say my best position is number ten, but I don't mind playing deeper either because that's where I used to play coming up through. Uh, through the youth team, so mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to play there either, or even even on the wing, to be honest. But I'd say my best position is ten. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. Right. So I'm a bit off topic. We get we get a text from a certain Mister Bruce McGregor. I don't know if you know this guy, but uh, oh, no. you're, uh, you're a you're a mean, you're a mean bagpipe player. Is that true? Oh no, not not these days, not these days. <laughs> Possibly in the uh, years gone by, but nah, I haven't I haven't touched the pipes in a few years, like but. Anna. And how's your how's your garlic? My garlic's uh, rusty, I'd say, but uh, <laughs> I get the odd shout from uh, BBC Alba every every year or so, and they kind of <laughs> spring up on me, and I'm I'm rusty as ever. You also every. also like the old um, oval ball. You like the peanut chasers? I heard you're a, a keen rugby player, <laughs> or where? I again used to be. Uh, my dad, I don't know if he was too happy that I chose football, but I mean, it's why I enjoyed it a time better. And you, there comes a point where you kind of got to choose like football or rugby. You can't really mm-hmm. do the both, believe it or not, because I think you'd have a few too many injuries. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, good luck for the rest of the season. Um, hope you get as much game time as possible. And uh, yeah, let's see if we can get up this league and the Premier League, mate. Aye, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Young Roddy McGregor there, you just you just want to take him home and meet the parents, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, he, Roddy, he's just turned 18. He's playing every week for his hometown team. He sounds pretty happy with life, doesn't he? Um, I think he can play an 8 or a 10. I, I, I think sometimes he's wasted out wide, but he can play either position. Um, I, I, I called him an 8 a few times last season before he was playing there. I thought he would be better there. But he clearly, he, he spelled it out clearly there. He prefers the 10. But I think, as we saw in the Wraith game, he really excelled uh, starting from a deeper position and driving forward into space. And just looking back on the highlights to prepare for this pod, I just noticed that uh, he was involved in so many of the key moments over the last few months. He sets up Allardyce's goal against Arbroath and then Toddy's goal later in the game, so two assists in that game. He wins the penalty at Wraith. Um, he wins the free kick that leads to his goal at Wraith. And then in the home Wraith game, although, although he didn't uh, get any assists in that game, I thought that was his best game in a Cali shirt. Um, he, he pushed forward into that space brilliantly. Um, so much. There were a few things just didn't quite come off for him. But overall, I just love watching the boy and I want him to stay for as long as possible. Before I see him as a 10, but I think longevity-wise, I think he could be the 8. I mean, we're, we're pretty... Um, we're spoiled for choice up front. So I think as an 8, yeah, I agree. I think could be, that could be his position. He's still getting knocked off the ball quite a lot. But the great thing about him is he's, he's getting back up and he's actually still... He's make, trying to make physical chances. He's, he's, the difference this season seems to be he's actually not letting that phase him. He's not phased by anything this season. He seems to just get back up and get at it all. And he's box to box when he's playing. Yeah. 
It What's just, really good about him, I spoke about this earlier, just the fact that he's kind of he's looking for it. His movement has been excellent, you know, and I think um that's really encouraging uh, the star. Hey, um, he, he likes to square a player up as well, doesn't he? He likes to square him up and see if he can just drop a shoulder, yeah. put the ball it, in. It's patience, isn't it, as a player? Do you know what I mean? It's someone who's got the confidence to, to, to be on the ball and think, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've got the measure of this player, you know, or, or, or I'm certainly going to, you know, not going to want to give it away too quickly. Yeah. I, th- I think the point I was going to make earlier was that if you compare that to what we had two seasons ago, which was Joe Chalmers, who's a very tidy player, but was very sideways, and Charlie Crawford, who was a headless chicken, you know, and you've now got Allardyce and um, Gregor already, without that much experience, they are absolutely miles ahead. The other thing I took from that interview is that he was obviously raised to be a Gaelic-speaking, bagpipe-playing rugby player, and it's great to hear that he's eschewed all that pish and express his, express his you know, Highland pride in being a Cali man. Above all else. Well, when all this COVID crap is done with, right, we're going to head into Caledonian Stadium. We are the Wine and Shuffle with a video camera and we're going to find out what every player's secret talent is and Roddy McGregor is going to get into the centre circle with his pipes and play Sweet Child of Mine. What the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. And now, Nightmare Eleven. Nightman, sneaky and mean, spider inside my dreams. I think I love you. You make me wanna cry. You make me wanna die. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Nightman. Mr. Young. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Okay. The name Gil, while not particularly common, has a pretty checkered set of associations. At one end of the scale, there's the great American songwriter and poet Gil Scott Heron, who's actually the son of an ex-Scottish League footballer, and the almost equally great Gil Norton, the producer of Echo and the Bunny Men, the Triffids and the Pixies, among others. At the other end of the scale, we have... Old Gil Gunderson, the chronically unsuccessful car salesman from The Simpsons, and Gil Martin, the evil doppelganger and instrument of the devil in James Hogg's private memoirs and confessions of a justified sinner. And falling off the end of that scale, there is Gil Blumenstein. In case anyone's managed to block out the memory of Gil Blumenstein, or has more likely failed to notice him when he was here, he played for ICT in our first season back in the top flight in 2010-11. According to his, quote, biography on CTO, he was apparently on trial with Rangers the same season before he came to us and, quote, scored a good number of goals, but, quote, financial restraints meant the Ibrox side couldn't afford to sign him. I don't know whether that says more about the appalling financial quagmire that was Glasgow Rangers or the amount of money that Terry Butcher managed to persuade our board to squander on complete pish in the course of unearthing a few gems, but they certainly dodged a bullet with old Gill. Despite allegedly scoring multiple goals in trial with Rangers and being described as a forward on his Wikipedia page, he managed to score goals for only three of the nine clubs he played for in his career, and we weren't one of them. In fact, it's debatable whether he even touched the ball during his fleeting time for us in the pitch. So he made his debut and one of his two starts for the club in a 3-0 home League Cup win against Queen's Park on July 31st. After that, he came off the bench in 61 minutes in our league opener against Celtic, and he went straight back onto it in the 78th minute of the same game due to injury. There was a brief comeback, three minutes against St. Mirren in September, and then he was out again until December. 
The second start for us in its only league start came in a 1-0 away New Year defeat to St Johnston, which was slap bang in the middle of an 11-game winless run, but also, remarkably, our first away league defeat in 13, 13 months. Uh, I was at that game, and the memory of Blumenstein that's etched in my mind is of a damp, hunched figure with a Richard III hairdo, not so much hugging the touchline as trying to dig it up with the toe of his boot. He was replaced by Richie Foran at half-time, and after that he was so rarely seen again that his Wikipedia page has no record of any activity from him at any club for 2011-12. He was probably still locked inside a kit hamper waiting for Teddy Butcher to stop throwing boots at it. So I was going to finish this with some sort of terrible um, imitation of old Gil from The Simpsons, kind of um, as Gil Blumenstein phoning his mother in Israel, kind of going, oh, mom, you should have seen my almost got in the pitch. But I knew it would be absolutely fucking shit. So I'm just going to say, um, <laughs> Gil Blumenstein is surely a worthy addition to the Inverness Caledonian Thistle Nightmare 11. They took you, Nightman, and you don't belong to them. They left me in a world of darkness without your sexy hands. And I miss you, Nightman. So bad. I hope no kids listen to this podcast. Okay, that's all from us and November's pod of uh, debatable quality. <laughs> uh, thanks, to, thanks to everybody for listening. We will be back at some point in December with our Christmas-themed special, lots of festive lids, fridges, and red-nosed regueros, uh, plus another competition in which you could win a very special ICT Christmas present. But before then, we are delighted to announce the unveiling of our first-ever piece of merchandise. Your TWS mug is now available. Artwork on the mug is by the brilliant Sophie Robb, and available in our brand-new Etsy shop, We'll be uh, posting some social media shenanigans about that soon. Use it for tea, for coffee, for bovril, for hot todderums, or just to store pencils, or rizzlers, rizzlers maybe. But once you buy it, you will find it has many uses. So buy it, buy one, buy one now. Amazingly, we do have a few overheads to pay in order to keep the podcast running. So great if you could buy one for your nearest and dearest for Christmas. Better still, if said relative hasn't heard the pod, they excitedly tear open their present on Christmas morning and say, what the fuck is this? And you say, that, Ranny, is the Winish Shuffle mug. No more missing Rizzlers. So until then, it's bye from them. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and it's bye from me. We're all off for a cuppa. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye for now. Yep, yep.